0: Lock the
1: gates! Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Wow What the fuck? you give. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF! What the
0: fuck? With Mark Marrow.
1: Alright, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fuck sticks? What the fuck nicks? What the fucksters? What the fuck rakers? How about that? How about that? This is Mark Maron. You're listening to WTF. This is my podcast. Hey, Craig Gass is on the show. Craig Gass, known for his work on the Howard Stern Show and also known for uh, one of the, uh, I think, probably the best Sam Kennison impression in the business, if that means anything to you, which it does to me. Uh and also has a hell of a story. He'll be here later. He'll be here uh, he'll be j- just ahead. Just minutes ahead. On your machine, on your equipment. He's he's here later on your equipment, just minutes ahead. Uh thank you all for all the amazing feedback on the new season of Marin on IFC. I appreciate you watching it. I'm very proud of it. And as I've told you before, it's uh it's a little tricky for me to be proud. And it's hard for me to buttress criticism. There hasn't been a lot of criticism, but it's interesting to me that almost every episode of the new season, someone will say, like, this is the best episode yet. And then some other idiot will go, well, this one wasn't that great. And it, and I start to realize that a lot of criticism is not criticism at all. It's very tricky to support it with some logic or intelligence. It took a long time for me to realize a lot of criticism is not unlike projecting they're just projecting their shitty life onto you you know in order to make a point why does something strike somebody one way and somebody something strikes somebody so completely different well obviously the 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 random factor there is they're both individuals bringing their own truckload of garbage to the table and how do we arrange that garbage and what uh what garbage does this trigger now obviously i'm referring to garbage as the bad things the good things are just ice cream and cotton candy and jelly beans So if you're bringing ice cream, cotton candy, jelly beans and uh, and and maybe some some patchouli to the table, that's different. You can organize uh, that however you'd like. But if you're bringing just a big truckload of garbage like you're just a garbage barge floating through your personal ocean of self lost, where does this garbage go? Well, I think I'll dump some of it on Marin's show. Even though I dumped jelly beans and cotton candy and, and ice cream on it last week, this one, this one deserves some garbage. And I think I'll go, I'm going to dig around a little bit to the bottom of this barge and find the, the oldest garbage I can find. Because that seems to be what's being irritated. Here you go. Here's some garbage from my past on the table. And that's my criticism. Bleh. I'm not saying I prefer cotton candy, ice cream, and jelly beans. But, you know, it's funner. So uh, I did some things this weekend. I did some things this weekend because I had a friend in from out of town. Pow! Look out! Just shit my pants. Just coffee.co available at WTFPod.com. Uh, I've been uh, I've been dating somebody and and a a, a bit, and it started uh, in Texas, and then it became uh, then we skyped, and then uh, she came out for a couple days, a few a couple weeks ago. And we had a nice weekend, and then we skyped. And then she came out for uh, a couple of days this weekend and we do things. That's the interesting thing. When you have someone in from out of town, you realize, holy fuck, I don't do anything in the city I live in. Nothing. I do nothing. Do I go to shows? No. Do I go to museums? Not really. Do I go to tourist attractions? Nah. So she comes into town and I, you know, I want to talk about this. Uh, the interesting thing I found about the, the future and the future we're living in. Uh, for uh, for for a period of time there when we were skyping almost every night you spend more time talking without uh, distraction or weirdness when you're actually not there you're actually just on the on the computers together just talking and i found that like wow this is a serious boundary this is like this is one of the best this is a this is a modern boundary for a while there it was we were categorizing it as a sad future movie but it's sort of a it's it's a real boundary it give it enables you to actually have a conversation and then, you know, kind of go away. But anyways, she came to town, and we uh, we went to the movies. We went to Venice Beach. I haven't been to Venice Beach in a while. I wanted an ice cream. I wanted a soft serve ice cream. I wanted to go to Venice Beach, and I'd forgotten what's amazing about Venice Beach. It's like it's not like a beach anywhere else. It's not like a beach in Florida or Hawaii, or even in Texas. Venice Beach is some sort of strange multi ethnic global clusterfuck of weirdness. The beautiful thing about Venice is it's just packed out with people of all kinds not giving a fuck what they look like and some people pushing the edge of not giving a fuck of what they look like. Some people being complete full-on freaks. A lot of things for sale. Hey, would you like a sage bundle? How about a shitty painting? How about a henna for your face? Hey, look look, here's another shitty painting. How about some of these? This is my big idea about sculpture. How about one of those? You want one of those? How about an ice cream? Yeah, I have an ice cream. And then we walked on the beach. And, and there's those moments where you're like, well, this is it, man. This is the big payoff. This is what we're doing. This is what makes life worthwhile, to be able to walk on the beach without too many worries unless I make them happen. That's the interesting thing about me, if you want to call it interesting, is that even when I'm walking on the beach, if my mind has any free time, even though it's beautiful out and I can see Malibu in the distance and I'm with somebody I like and I'm just walking on the beach, uh, my brain will go like, fuck, what's wrong with my computer? How does that play into it? Fuck! What's wrong with my computer? Why don't the? How come my backup drives aren't showing up in my Finder? Dude, you're on the beach. Look! Look! You see infinity? You see the horizon line? You see where it just falls off the edge of the earth? You see the one thing that uh, that's been provided us by the universe that's supposed to be a calming influence and and sort of spread your shit out in your brain, kind of make it float for a while or go away. Look at that! Look at the sailboat! Fuck! I got to call Jeremy over at MacMan. Dude, look at the beach. No, maybe I should text Jeremy at MacMan now. Now, dude, dude, relax. No, it's nice. I mean, I like it and everything, but I, I don't understand my computer. So I'm walking on the beach and we're doing things, and uh, I'm just sticking my head in stores. Like, I got. You know, I I don't even like this necessarily like the stores uh, on Fairfax Boulevard here in Los Angeles. There's just uh, there seems to be like nine or 10 stores that only sell skateboards and and baseball hats of different kinds. There's literally five stores there. Skateboards and baseball hats and skate T-shirts. But I'm still sort of fascinated with that. For some reason, I like hats. I would never wear a hat, but I want to see the hat. It was like looking in galleries. So I just as we were walking down Fairfax, I'm sticking my head into places. And she's like, "You're weird." I'm like, "Why?" And she's like, "Well, you just stick your head in. You're just sort of like, you know, hi. and I don't really want to come in. I just, you know, I want to, just kind of judge and just, you know, you know, not uh, engage, but just stick my head in." And like, yeah, I mean, that's 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 what it's that's what I do. And and I go, "Well, why did you think? Uh, why do you think I was weird?" And she goes, "Well, yeah, because you know, I said what's the difference between me and you?" She goes, "I have boundaries, and you're like, I have questions." And and that really is, a, that is the sort of difference, the questions over boundaries. If I go into a restaurant and I see something I like, you know, I'm going to be that guy. I'm going to be that old Jew. I've always been that guy. It took me a while to jump that line. I mean, you can pull the, the server aside and go, what's that person eating? Or if they're close enough, you can go like, what is that? What is that you're eating? And it's such like an old Jewish lady thing to do. But I, you know, maybe I'm an old Jewish lady, you know, like what's that you're eating? Is it good? Is it good? It's nice. You like it? I don't know. Maybe I'll get that. Maybe I'll get one of those. Uh huh. And I'm that guy. I don't have boundaries. I have questions. And that's what I learned from, from my weekend. All right, my friends. All right. I've done enough. Things are fine. I'm happy. My show is on Thursdays. I'm going to share with you now uh, my conversation with Craig Gass. <music> So you walk into a morning show, and you're like, what do you guys, uh who do you like having on? And they go, we love, wait, um, like Michael Winslow. We love Michael Winslow. You know who really kills there? Uh Pablo Francisco. We like Pablo. We like him.
0: Well, you know whose name comes up, and it, and it really uh, blows me away, the, the amount of uh, uh, preparation that he has. Uh, Brian Regan yep. not only uh, <clears throat> pays attention to... What he he does on somebody's morning show, he has a notebook Uh that he travels with, and he makes a note in every city that he goes to- What bits he did? What bits he did on what show. Right. And so when he comes back- To make sure he does new bits. He doesn't repeat it.
1: Well, I mean, that's a Well, he's a professional. Yeah. That guy is uh, You know, Because as you know, a lot of times, local morning radio is what's going to Ju- determine whether you get people yeah it's that's where the business is right even with twitter and with everything else it's still it's still like if you kill it you have a chance of bringing in people that have no idea who the fuck you are yeah that are just driving and they're laughing they're like oh i'm gonna go i'm gonna go see that guy
0: and you always hear from people after the shows when they come by to say hi they go man I, uh, a couple days ago i heard you and i was like i don't know who the fuck this guy is yeah but, but honey we gotta buy tickets right and, and they then, come yeah and it's uh it's changed a lot because radio and content in radio has gotten tighter and tighter in uh, terrestrial radio.
1: And less and less uh, reach.
0: Less and less reach because people are turning to uh, satellite Me. radio, podcast. I was going to say <laughs> podcast, satellite radio, Yeah, uh, their iPod. Yeah. And so there's less and less of an audience out there. But it's uh, it's still, I like
1: getting up in the morning and going out and i like going to do morning radio sometimes i mean i sort of dread it but if the uh if the crew is good it can be a good time i mean there's some guys you're kind of happy to see when you go out there yeah right
0: yeah and it's uh there's some people who uh want to see if they can fuck with you a little bit when you come in and yeah and that's fun too is it yeah of course because well, I mean, I've been working with guys who fuck with people for years, you know, yeah. like like uh, like Howard, like Howard, and you know, and it's uh, so I'm I'm okay to roll with it. I don't take myself that seriously. I think
1: I think it's a lesson you
0: learn is to not take yourself that seriously. Oh, you've
1: never gotten pissed off over something that you, you've never been sandbagged. No, oh, that's good. Because as
0: soon as they start insulting me, I have enough. Uh, humility to step back and go, you know what? I don't even like me either. So, yeah. you
1: know, but do, so. You, do, you, do you generally just snap into a voice?
0: <laughs> no, I, uh, it depends on what kind of radio it is. Like top 40 radio, I'll go in and I'll, I'll do voices because that's what they like to hear. Yeah. Uh, if I go into a rock station where I'm more comfortable, yeah, I'll tell stories about the people who, uh, who we all listen to that I've managed to have some really, uh, embarrassing moments with and uh like who um like uh like gene simmons yeah uh, from kiss who i do an impression of uh that uh on the howard stern show every time we had a music guest in the studio yeah i would constantly interrupt them as gene simmons yeah and try to sell them shitty kiss products (laughs) which was just like a goofy thing (laughs) and uh like we'd have like uh uh everyone from like Coldplay to Big Rappers to Paul McCartney Uh and in the middle of their interviews I would interrupt them and start uh, jumping in with um, uh, Gene Simmons saying you know if you go to kissonline.com right now we can show you with a pie chart how the Beatles stole everything from Kiss (laughs) and Paul McCartney (laughs) look at me and go
1: who the fuck are you you because you're on the radio but you're still still sitting there and you've got to pull you've got to Bust balls yeah. on the genius. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's you know. like, I did a show. You ever had people uh, come out to your show? I actually have a story like this with you, where you have somebody come out, and they're watching you perform, and you really respect them, and uh, so you want to do really well, yeah. and then you don't, and then you remember like, that guy probably hates me did now. Did we have
1: tension, me and you? Did, was, uh... No, I oh. I,
0: I, uh, I walked up to you at the Boston Comedy Club, and I go, Mark Marin And you go, yeah. And I go, hey, my name's Craig Gass. I'm a comedian. Um. D- do you, um, I'm going on a little bit after you do you, yeah. do you mind sticking around and watching you're like yeah sure and I think I even told you I go I, I do an impression of Sam Kinison yeah 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 and, and you go well yeah sure and I'm like oh my god Mark I remember Mancer, that Mark Manter, Mark here. and I decided that well, Mark's not just going to like any stupid voice shit. I, I got to go up and do something hardcore. <laughs> and I i had an idea that I'd never tried on stage before. Yeah. And I thought, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. I'm going to go up and, and, and go fucking over the edge. Yeah. And Mark's going to be like, man, this guy's got balls. Yeah. And I ate my nuts. Yeah. For like ten minutes, yeah, and respectfully, you sat there the whole time watching me. Eat but you closed shit. with
1: Sam, right?
0: I think I did close with Sam because yeah. I
1: remember hearing the first time I heard Sam. First time I heard you do Sam, I'm like, "Holy fuck, that's too creepy."
0: Yeah, that Sam. Uh, your relationship with Sam, I I never knew him. And- oh yeah, yeah.
1: Well, yeah. To me, like it probably at that point, I was like, probably give me bad flashbacks to actually yeah. hear. It's really about the way he talked.
0: You know, it's funny that you say that because in L.A when i do sam mm-hmm. on stage people don't uh they especially when i do it at the comedy store they don't apl- they don't go like what like there's always like a jesus christ
1: <laughs> like people just kind of feel
0: weird about it
1: well yeah well oh, you mean like the people that work there and yeah, stuff yeah yeah well it's it, that place is haunted with him and I, yeah. I wonder how i mean i guess a lot of people remember him i don't think he really gets a, a fair shake in terms of uh the guys that uh, that should be remembered. I think he sort of outlived his thing in a way, even though he died young. He became sort of pathetic towards the end. Yeah. And I, I don't think people really remember him as as the amazing comic that he was. That first record, dude, that first fucking record is crazy.
0: Yeah, and there's guys who at the comedy store will come up to me and say, hey, I got a story for you, and the stories are fucking out there, I- insane. There was a guy that uh, used to play piano there uh, named Kelly Moran. Yeah, I remember Kelly. Kelly came up and said, I got a great story for you, Sam. And I were at a party one night. Yeah. And Sam had a mirror yeah. piled high with Coke, and Sam uh, was talking to me, and not intentionally, but he passed the Coke to a woman behind him who was eight months pregnant. And they, everyone goes, Sam, what are you doing? And he goes, Oh God, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry, man, I'm, it's just not intentional. I didn't fucking, you know. Everyone goes, Sam she's giving birth next month and he goes well yeah well that and you know plus you don't want the kid coming out next month going where's the dealer's pager (laughs) oh oh (laughs) Oh." and he goes he goes the next day i'm with sam Uh, how
1: do you do that
0: it's it's too close he said the next day i'm with sam We're driving over the hollywood hills yeah and kelly says to sam dude remember that moment last night where he tried to hand the Coke to that girl that was pregnant. Sam's voice completely, or his face, completely yeah. blank. And he goes, remember? The girl, she was she was pregnant, and you, and you tried to give her the Coke. And then, yeah. And what was the line you said? You said, oh, had a great line. You said, uh, yeah, yeah, plus you don't want the kid coming out going, where's the dealer's pager? Oh, oh. And he said, Sam just looked in and went, oh did I say that I'm gonna write that down I'm doing that on stage <laughs> tonight that's a great bit. yeah yeah yeah
1: it's that fucking weird cadence that, yeah because he uh you know he really talked like that like that it it's not so much the screaming part which you know which people can do but you've got the whole the the cadence of that weird uh, accent he that you bad voice we go wait a second
0: <laughs> wait yeah. a second yeah <laughs> where's my sponsor yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I always had uh, and I, I don't know if you know this. So I'm just going to well, your
1: Gene Simmons is pretty solid, too, man. I mean, uh, like that, that, he sounds like an old Jew. And it's weird that what I find with impressionists is that if they're really good, they'll make me notice something about the person they're doing where you can actually because I think your brain actually naturally does that in order to do a, an efficient impression. I, I think you, you find what characterizes them, at, you know, through their voice. And a lot of people who just see the person are not going to notice that stuff. But when someone does an impression of him, like I, there's some kid who's got a uh, some YouTubes up of of him doing Louis, you know, with a, a bald wig and everything else, like Louis doing classic uh, jokes, <laughs> and it's it's him doing Louis on stage. He does it okay, but I never noticed, you know, how deliberate Louis's cadence was and how sort of strangely. Um, Some of it is rooted in Woody Allen. I wouldn't have noticed it just from knowing Louie because I'm too close to Louie. But when I see someone do an impression, I'm like, oh, that really is. He does do that.
0: Yeah. And that's uh, sometimes somebody will do an impression where they don't. uh, It's not strong. Right. But they exaggerate one thing that you go, shit. Yeah. That guy does do that a lot. Somebody.
1: Well, is that, as, as somebody who does impressions, you, you, do you, when you see a bad impression? I mean, because I think like a lot of times, bad impressions are marked by the fact that they, they over, they overhit right. a thing. Right. Uh, but
0: sometimes, if it, it, that becomes, that still resonates so huge that yeah. that becomes the standard to go by. Like Dana Carvey has impressions that he's done right of George Bush and of Regis Philbin that to this day people kind of go from dana carvey out they, yeah. they start with uh you know uh um uh not gonna do it not yeah. gonna do it right to you know and then and build out from that or from regis it's it's dana's regis right. that people start with
1: right right but it, it but it the, but that sort of rip that's not really doing your own work in a way
0: yeah it, it's true and uh who do
1: you think the best impressionist was
0: uh well there's some impressions that are amazing. Frank Caliendo's uh, John Madden impression yeah. is flawless. Yeah. <laughs> um and I love hearing great impressions. It's it's like beautiful music to me. Um <laughs> yeah. and uh, you know who does great impressions? Who? Norm Macdonald. Oh yeah. Norm Macdonald does an impression of And I love random impressions. Yeah. yeah. Super Dave Osborne. Uh-huh. Uh, Norm McDonald does an impression of Super Dave Osborne, and uh, I think he even does an impression of uh, of Mitch. Uh huh. Because I remember Mitch told me that that he uh, that that Norm did an impression of him, and uh, but I've always been able to do any kind of voice that I hear because of how I grew up. My entire family is deaf.
1: Wait, now, so uh, what do you mean your entire family?
0: My mom, my dad, my sister, they're all deaf, they're all deaf,
1: congenital deafness.
0: My mom was born congenitally. she was born
1: completely. I've deaf. only talked to one other person that has this.
0: That whose family is yeah. it a comic? Yeah. Is it Moshe?
1: Oh, okay, yeah. Moshe Kasher's parents were not only Hasidic or Orthodox, <laughs> but they were deaf as well. But he didn't become an impressionist, though. But he does. Um, his laughter is really loud and and deliberate. Wow. I don't know what it must be like. So well, what kind of household was it? What did, did they meet each other at deaf school?
0: Yeah. My mom was born completely deaf right. from a birth defect. Mm-hmm. My dad was born with all of his hearing and then lost it when he was a kid. He got into an accident that uh, popped out his eardrums. Oh, my and, God. And so he had to go to deaf schools. That's horrible. For the rest of his life. Yeah. Where he met my mom at an yeah. all-deaf high school. They fell in love got married, had my sister first. My sister's born with my mom's genes completely deaf. And then I'm born with my dad's genes with all my hearing. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if I just overexplained that, but. No, 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 but (laughs) I mean, but what,
1: but what, what was it like? I can't imagine what that would be like. I mean, in the sense of like, when did you first realize it? How did you learn how to talk initially? Well,
0: I just learned sign language, and it wasn't until late.
1: But you're a child. Mm -hmm. At some point, someone has to walk you through the English language and... To to talk. Who taught you how to talk? Well,
0: that's where TV came in, and I started mimicking all the voices. No, on the I get TV. that, but before and, that, and uh, my grandparents lived oh, okay. in the same building, so right. my grandparents. So it was like a mixture of signing and speaking, and signing and speaking. So but your was,
1: grandparents taught you how to talk.
0: Yeah, my it was uh it was my grandparents and watching TV, watching a lot of TV, and uh, but it was it didn't seem unusual to me until, you know. I guess it never really seemed unusual to me, except you know people would go like, "Wow, that's I, I, that's that's unusual." What, your grandparents? Where'd you grow up? I grew up in New York, outside the Bronx and Mount Vernon.
1: Okay, so you grew up up there, up at the top of the island there.
0: Uh, yeah, just, just it's like ten miles from Yankee Stadium, uh, right?
1: And you and you and you grew up in an apartment building, and your grandparents yes. were upstairs, and these were your whose parents? Your mother's or your father's?
0: My mother's parents were upstairs.
1: Okay, so they they brought up a deaf child, so yes. they knew how to sign and they yep. knew all the so they, but. So you were the first child that they actually were able to kind of raise to speak. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Was it? Was it a bunch of Jews? Are you Jewish? Yeah, I'm
0: Jewish, yeah. and uh, and but my mom was uh, even though she's Jewish, we'd celebrate Christmas every year. So yeah. like
1: they like the lights, right? Yeah, the, the Hanukkah and yeah, the and the tree.
0: And the tree and Get a
1: just, tree. I had a little of that. I, at times there were trees.
0: Yeah, I was. I was. Uh, I always enjoyed being able to dip into both holidays. Oh, yeah. Why not? Yeah.
1: So all right. So there you are. You're growing up in the you know, Mount Vernon. Your parents are deaf, and uh, so you weren't... So signing is second nature to you.
0: Yeah, it's... uh, Although I spell everything out, almost everything.
1: Oh, so you're not hip to the the new symbols.
0: I don't... Did that get
1: added later?
0: Yeah, I I started doing fucked up symbols, and my mom never corrected me because she understood what I was saying, so she never... so. Whenever I see deaf people in distress, yeah. I always like to help. Yeah. I always like to come up and go and I'll start Does signing. This, has this happened to you? Yeah, yeah. Well, like uh deaf people trying to communicate oh, right, with right, police right. officers. Right, right. Like uh, or and I'll walk in and go, Hey, I know sign language. Yeah, yeah, so. and yeah. then, okay. And I'll go, Hi, yeah. I know sign language. Yeah. And I'll be able to and I'll sign it to them yeah. and they'll go, Oh and they'll start signing really fast and I'll yeah. go, uh wait can, w- hold on, what yeah, what? Yeah, I don't yeah, understand. Yeah, yeah. Go, go back. Yeah. Can you spell it? Can yeah. you okay, can you S T wait, can you bet S no, can you start again? Yeah. S T
1: because oh, because some like have well my question is since you learn sign have there been have they updated I imagine they update symbols like they tighten it up at some point
0: well there's uh there's kind of like a regional thing around the country get
1: out of here there's like regional sign languages ac- accents
0: accents exactly Stop, really yeah and like around the world there's different signs for different words huh and uh that
1: must be confusing
0: yeah the best was uh I don't know where I was uh I saw I had a TV on in a hotel room, and I saw the uh, funeral going on in South Africa uh-huh. for um, uh, Mandela, and and I see this guy signing, and I thought, wow, I'm, I'm watching him for a second. Go, oh. well, it doesn't make any sense to me, but maybe it's different in South Africa. It wasn't until later that I found out the guy was clinically insane. Yeah, and none of his signs made any sense right, to right, any right. deaf people, yeah, yeah. but and that was hilarious <laughs> to me. Some of some of the best deaf jokes I've ever heard. Were from deaf people. What are they? Um, My sister took her out to dinner a couple weeks ago, and she said she signed to me, "Do you want to hear a good joke?" And I said, "Yeah." And she goes, "Me too." And I was like, "Oh, that's great!" (laughs) And she goes, "Yeah, it's you know, it's whatever." She kind of waved it off, like, "Yeah, it's kind of hacky." And I was like, "Hacky? That's that's awesome, you know." And and, uh, and it's funny to me that people want to be protective of people with handicaps. Yeah. Yet people with handicaps are making yeah. jokes about their handicaps.
1: That, well, that that is an interesting thing. I think that on some level, that it's sort of like uh, some sort of guilt. You know, that people diminish the handicaps person's entire identity by uh, protecting them. Uh, preemptively, or, or, or you know, thinking that they they know. I mean, they've got to have a, a, a sense of humor about it, of course. And they and, and they've got a you know, there's a certain pride in it after a certain point. I would imagine.
0: Yeah, there there is something um, about laughter getting you through things that right. people don't understand. They want to be protective and and say,
1: well. You know, these people need protection. Nobody needs protection. Or, or that you need to be polite in a way that you wouldn't necessarily be polite. You know, in deference to them. Yeah, which I think is condescending and, and a little deme- demeaning. I I agree. But you know, we're not always the greatest judge of sensitivity, comics. I mean, if we were, I think we're all very sensitive, but it's hard to know, man.
0: I think we're all sensitive, but I think even even someone like Brian Regan yeah. <clears throat> can tell you a really fucked up joke. I remember Brian Regan. Uh, okay. On ONA, uh, they pointed out, you know, Brian, the thing about you is is you're hilarious, but you never curse. And he said, uh, no, I actually, I do say uh, motherfucker in one of my jokes. And they said, you do? And he said, yeah, it's a joke about butterflies. And it's like, you know, it's good, but it's like everyone, I think comedians have sensitivity, but um, it's very strange. I think things have changed in the last 10 years, especially with Twitter, because everyone has a voice and everyone can contact you and go... You know, you suck, or uh, that's not cool. You can't say that. Uh, How dare
1: you? Yeah, there's there's more of an immediate, you know, cultural dialogue about uh, offenses. You you know what I mean? It's still up to the comedian. You know, if you want to fight the fight, you fight the fight. Uh, No one's denying you the right to do that.
0: Have you ever gotten exhausted for fighting the fight on a thought that you either uh, did on a radio show or? On stage, have you ever had a fight to where you just thought Gee, it's just it's too much? Yeah, over the
1: retard. Really? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't so much a fight, but you know, I had to really weigh it out. You know, yeah, the question you have to ask yourself is, what's it worth? What's the point you're trying to make? Are you just saying something because you can say it? Are you saying something to provoke a reaction, or or are are you uh, you know honestly think that it's a you know it's an important joke? And and my joke was really about the word retard and and what it used to mean to us. And, and what it's grown to mean to uh, to that community is that, you know, I like the the angle was, you know, I would I would never call a retard a retard, right <laughs> you, you know, but <laughs> that's but, beautiful. Well, yeah, but it's, it's wrong. But like it, it's wrong minded because the truth is, is that I think Nana mostly it's 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 a family of people who are who are uh, I don't even know what the, the proper word is. For people that were once called retarded, intellectually uh, challenged or whatever right. it is, mentally challenged. But, you know, they it, it hurts them. So is it really worth it, you know, to, to do it? But, you know, that word is like it's so it was so part of the culture. But that doesn't mean it mean it's right. You know, it's like the word tranny now. It's tricky, man tranny is offensive to people yeah i it's It's, first i'm hearing that it's offensive to the transgender community see once the what you're talking about is true that once uh you know these channels of communication are open in public and more accessible is that communities that may have been overlooked or or gotten short shrift or or not identified as communities now have a voice so transgender people find tranny to be insulting but they'll call each other trannies well maybe i I don't know, I and mean, black I,
0: people call each other the n word well I mean but they, yeah. I, I
1: don't know if they all do that. I mean occasionally I'll call a Jew a filthy Jew or yeah. a jew <laughs> bastard, or you know, but it's not it's not by you know I don't do it often
0: I, I just feel like that you can say anything as long as you make a strong argument for it, and if um, you want to
1: make the argument
0: if you if you want to make the argument and yeah, it can be exhausting you can from from the jump with that word have uh, you had the
1: problem before
0: um yeah, with me, I mean it's like uh. I I don't think I go into anything on stage. It's that controversial. I just uh, I like to just be silly.
1: Yeah. Well, when did you start? So you say that the 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 knack for impressions started from actually um, gravitating towards speech in general because yeah. of the environment you grew up in. Mm-hmm. So when when do you identify? Were, were they originally cartoon characters? No, it would be like uh, just people who I really admired.
0: And yeah. watched a lot of would get stuck in my head, like uh, Muhammad Ali, the Fonz. Oh, really? Yeah, guys. And then, uh, and then over time, I, and I would always just. Um, How old are you? Uh, I'm 40, I just turned 44. Okay. And uh, over time, I just, I just had this knack for, like, picking up weird voices, and I never got an accent. When uh, did you realize
1: that? I mean, when did you start using it to to your advantage, so to speak?
0: Uh, from the time I was like four or five years old, I would do impressions for my family who are deaf. But the impressions, <laughs> tough crowd, tough the, crowd. The, the, but the impressions didn't involve voices. They would involve just mannerisms. Yeah, mannerisms. I would just do like, all right, here's Grandpa. Oh, w- oh so you do waiting? That. So I would do manner. And every time I do an impression, I never think of, um, I never think of the voice. I think of the person. Yeah. Uh like uh Tracy Morgan uh kind of looks spacing and, and just hey man that's crazy. I yeah. like you. You're very sexy. That's crazy. <laughs> um Adam Sandler uh doesn't look you in the eye and he's yeah. uh, uh likes to uh, uh <laughs> you know uh, tell uh, uh, silly uh duty jokes <laughs> and uh um or Al Pacino who uh will look you uh, right in the eye. This guy. Why does this guy
1: never avert his eyes, yeah. Yeah, you know,
0: yeah, yeah. I never think of the um, of the voice. I think of like the way they are as a person.
1: Yeah, well, I have had that that moment where you know I used to be able to do about a second of Dustin Hoffman, really. And like, well, but I can only do it reflexively, like in a moment. If I think about it too much, it won't happen. So you have to think about it and then register it in your into your sense memory, so you can repeat it.
0: Yeah, I never, and I'm very lazy, so it's either right there, yeah, and it sticks with me, or uh, have you lost some? No, I, I just uh, I, if I don't like I haven't done Sam in a while until I just did it earlier in this conversation. But uh, um, but it's usually just kind of stuck in there somewhere. I just I just picture the person, um, or when I tell stories about people like I, uh, Mitch Hedberg was my first roommate in New York, and when I tell stories about living with Mitch, the voice will come back and I'll and it'll just be right there. Oh, really? And, yeah, and and
1: uh, like when I first moved in, he couldn't uh, look in he couldn't look in the eye either.
0: Yeah, that that kind of bummed me out. he, he, uh, so he he's moving from
1: yeah. side to side.
0: Yeah, he my first day in Mitch's apartment, I put my stuff down and I'm trying to get my bearing straight and he's telling me a million, because he's going to leave and I'm going to have the apartment to myself that first weekend. And so he's telling me where everything is in the neighborhood and then he goes, oh, hey Craig, um, this is a map of the New York City subway. And on the back of his front door was this huge map of the New York City subway, which- the first time you look at it, yeah. it's very intimidating. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of yellow and blue and red, red lines yeah. going every direction. Yeah. So I'm staring at the map and he goes, so that's how that works. And then he walked <laughs> away and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, you know, How'd uh, you
1: meet Mitch? What year was that?
0: I met Mitch. I in, remember when he
1: moved to New York.
0: I met him in 95 uh, in Seattle. I opened for him in probably 94, 95. There were guys that would come to town. Like you, Patton Oswald and Mitch Hedberg, the people would go, oh, you got to watch these guys, yeah. these guys. And uh, so uh, I would always try to campaign, not even knowing anything about those people. I go, can I open that show? They're supposed to be an amazing comedian. I want to open that show.
1: You lived in Seattle?
0: I lived in Seattle. That's where my career started, was in Seattle in 1993. I started at uh, Comedy Underground.
1: The original one?
0: The original one.
1: Yeah, it was a good room, man.
0: I was there for a year. How
1: the fuck did you end up there, man? I had friends who had moved up to Seattle. So, you were in New York. You wanted to start doing comedy.
0: I was in New York, first 10 years of my life in New York. Then, I moved to Arizona, where all my formative years were, where I started doing drugs, uh, was in Arizona. Where Every- did you
1: go to college
0: there? I didn't even finish high school. And, was- I, and I went to high school for a long time. I went to high school for five years. I still don't, in don't have In the Bronx. A uh, in, in Tucson, Arizona. Where Did I your went. family move there? Yeah, my family moved there because they have a good school for the deaf in Tucson, Arizona. For sister? Yeah, for my sister.
1: So you started doing stand-up in Tucson?
0: Yeah, my first couple open mics was in Tucson. Then I moved to Seattle with no idea of how great of a comedy scene there was in Seattle. I just moved to Seattle because some friends of mine had moved to Seattle, and I wanted to be a stand-up comedian. I thought I was funny. I thought I could that I was funny enough to, to try it.
1: Well, what were you doing in Tucson when you say you're doing drugs? You didn't finish high school? How is that possible? I just, I can't pay attention to save my life. So uh, what do you mean? How far did you get in high school? Uh, I,
0: I had a couple senior years and that, and I never got my diploma, but I went on uh, two senior trips. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I, I go to the uh, uh, high school reunions for each of my senior years. I attend all my reunions for all my, each of my senior I know. it's.
1: I, I enjoyed the social aspect of going to school. So people were happy to see you. You weren't some sort of wallflower. They all knew you as yeah. the guy that went two senior years. Which,
0: by the way, is, what, is one of the reasons why I feel like I don't um, relate to a lot of comedians. I love people. I love being around people. Now, wait a
1: minute. I mean, you know, uh, some of them do, right?
0: I, I feel like a lot of comedians <laughs> are
1: introverts.
0: and, uh, and They like
1: hanging around with comedians yeah
0: they like hanging around with other comedians yeah. and and but socially uh, a lot of comedians are not you know uh as uh enjoyable to be around as you would think well, I think a would. lot of
1: comedians think like they it, 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 what i noticed not too recently is that you know we have a shorthand about what we can talk about and how we talk about things and you know really more 90 percent of the time if you're hanging around with comics you're hanging around with brilliant guys yeah it's just a it's a fact yeah, and and there's quick, there's there's smart, and they you know, and then when you start hanging around with civilians, and they're making jokes and stuff, you're like, all right.
0: Well, <laughs> especially when they make jokes along the lines of, I know Jim Norton has made a, a couple observations about the people who say uh, like, oh, watch out for this guy, this guy is a real cut up over here, and it's yeah. like, uh, you know. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, and, and by the way, hanging around with other comedians, I think is the greatest benefit. Enjoy of doing yeah. what yeah. I get to do. I, I can't believe that I get to hang around uh, these people who I admire right, so much right. and get to spend time with. But uh, but yeah, it was in Arizona that I got a really bad drug habit. That uh, what kind? Uh, cocaine was really cheap. Yeah. Really cheap and really good. It was really pure. What,
1: like what, 60 bucks a gram?
0: F- uh, oh, 40 bucks a gram. 40, 50 bucks a gram and pure. Mm. Really, really pure. And so I just started doing tons of coke. I can And then I moved to
1: Seattle. The, so you're the, like what, eighteen, nineteen years old?
0: Fourteen is when I started. Fourteen, and then, um, and then I moved to Seattle, and then it gets heavier. What? How old were you when you moved to Seattle?
1: Twenty-three. So for nine years in Tucson, what? What'd your your poor parents do with this fucking drug addict, <laughs> high school dropout who can talk? Well,
0: like anybody else with drug addicts, uh, you kind of turn the other cheek, and you you, know, you kind of like they didn't. You didn't go to rehab. Not until I I moved to Seattle and I got a job with insurance, and I had this embarrassing moment where I called I I had insurance for the first time. I was working a job that had insurance, and I said, uh, I have a drug problem. What was the job? Uh, I worked at GameWorks. Mm-hmm. Which is like um it's a glorified video game arcade. Uh uh-huh,
1: uh-huh.
0: And uh but they had this great benefit. If you work here, uh we'll give you uh health insurance. Really? Yeah. So I got health insurance it might have been six months before the health insurance kicked in, but I had health insurance for the first time in Seattle. I, in Seattle. Was that at a mall? Um it, it's in downtown on seventh uh, and pike. Uh huh. And I uh called my insurance um, said I have a problem with drugs. And I said, Okay, we'll talk to the mental health line uh mental health line picks up and i said hey, i got a problem I'm, I'm a drug addict and they said okay um where are you at and i was in this really specific neighborhood i was in capitol hill um dating yeah, I know this, this I know girl capitol hill, yeah and they said uh oh you know what there's a rehab a few blocks from you and i said great and so i called that location the guy picks up the phone as soon as he picks up the phone i know something about the guy as soon as he picks up the phone but it's irrelevant it has nothing to do with the conversation so I confess all my sins. It's the
1: first time- What do you mean you know something about the guy?
0: You can tell as soon as he picks up the phone, you already know something about the guy as soon as he picks up. And at the end of the conversation, he says, all right, well, I think we're ready. Uh, I do have one more question, Craig. Um, you are a, a homosexual, right? And I said, I'm a homosexual. Oh. And he said, yeah, you know, this is this rehab is for homosexuals. And I said, I, I didn't know that. And he said, your insurance didn't tell you? And I said, no, they just said you're the closest one to me. And he said- Well, that should be some kind of a note on their screen that we, I mean, we're not gay and lesbian exclusive, but we are gay and lesbian friendly. So are you a homosexual? And I said, no. And he said, do you have a problem with homosexuals? And I said, no. And I said, all right, we'll see you on Monday. And I checked into gay rehab and I I was there and it was the best place Uh I could have been. I I was so fragile and I was around the most sensitive people I had ever met. And um, the toughest person in that rehab was a lumberjack chick from Oregon who had choked out her girlfriend in a in a blackout yeah and um and so uh I did six months of outpatient treatment, and then I moved in with Mitch Hedberg in New York, and I just completely and I didn't tell Mitch there was actually a really embarrassing moment when I moved in with Mitch. Um, I'm trying to stay in recovery. And I know that uh, when I get to Mitch, that, that Mitch doesn't know. And if I want to, yeah. I can just fuck up when I get to Mitch's place. Right. And um, one day I was out doing something in the city. I came back to the apartment and Mitch was really uh, uh, just, oh man, I, I'm sorry, man. I, I, I thought I saw some magazines in your bag. I was just grabbing a magazine, man. I'm sorry I got into your stuff. And I was like- that's fine, man. You can take magazines, and then I noticed that in between the magazines yeah. was this AA book, and I was like, oh, man." Yeah, and, and and I had already started drinking again by the time I got back to Mitch's place, yeah. and I was like, "Ah, oh, fuck." Yeah, you know, and I, I kind of felt embarrassed,
1: and uh, you felt embarrassed about being sober. Yeah, and did he make you feel bad?
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, it was because when you first realize you have a problem, it's part of the. Thing you have to go through is is and for some reason it's it's like it's tough to actually admit it that I have a problem. You know, it's like I know something's wrong and I and I'm fucking my nose is bleeding all the time. This and, is in Seattle. Uh, yeah, and I'm yeah. not uh, well. That I mean, it start from from way back. It was you know I it was fucking up shit. I mean, I can't tell you how many times when I was living in Seattle, this is really embarrassing to admit, but I can't tell you how many times I would start out a date by sending the girl to the comedy club and I go, hey, just just meet me at the comedy club. And because uh, we'll get some free drinks at the comedy club. And it'd be a hot, beautiful girl would show up at the comedy club. I'd hang out with her. We'd drink. We'd start to get to know each other, laughing. And then the door would open and the fucking Coke dealer, the local neighborhood, yeah. Pioneer Square Coke dealer, would walk through and I'd go, fuck. And then my, my heart would start racing. I'd go, hey, uh, I'll be right back. Hang on a second. And I go talk to the guy. Yeah. I come back. And I can't tell you how many times I did this. I'd walk back to the girl and go, hey, I just realized something. Um, I have to get up tomorrow at 6 a.m. I didn't even realize this. Um, so I got to get out of here. I can't even hang out with you right now. I, I need to listen. I'm going to walk you to your car, and I'm going to get you. Are, is this, Are you done with your drink? All right, we'll finish yeah, your drink, yeah, yeah. and I'm going to get you out of here. I'm sorry. And they look at me like, "What are you talking about?" I go, "I'm just. I'm going to make it up to you." When's your next day off? Is it yeah, Thursday? Yeah. Okay, I'll, well, I'll go out with you on Thursday. But right. finish your drink. Go ahead and pound that. Yeah. And let me walk to your car, and let me get you out of here. And then, and I'd walk into their car, give them a kiss, and one out of every five girls would come back to the bar yeah. later yeah. an hour just to see and i'd be in there jacked jacked out of my mind and avoiding eye contact like oh shit they're back you know and i i can't i can't even tell you how many times i did that, that I, my, I, I, you're,
1: you're bringing back memories for me just that this sort of excitement of knowing you're going to get blow yeah that was almost better than the blow <laughs> yeah
0: and when i found out that there were people at the comedy underground that had cocaine like it was like a year uh at least a year or two years of doing stand-up at the comedy at the ground before an employee asked me hey uh can you help me with something back here and i said uh and I help you with what i want you to help me carry a keg and i'm like carry a keg i'm oh not my- helping you and he goes craig just come back here and i was like oh man i don't want to do any manual labor and i come yeah. back and he's got lines cut out on yeah. a mirror and i was like oh my god and Come to find out that there are people that work here that have it, and I was like, I really at that the moment best, thought
1: I, I found my home.
0: Yeah, home, and <laughs> I had succeeded. This is the level of success I was looking there's for. Coke around. There's coke here, and they're willing to share it with me. And I was like, oh my god! And for the next couple of years, I was in complete ecstasy. That these people if I was funny enough that night on stage that people would just give me drugs yeah. and drinks and, were
1: you doing all impressions? No
0: well, I think I didn't do impressions at all the first couple years. I was embarrassed to do impressions because You thought it was hacky? Yeah, because I heard from all the other comedians. All the other comedians were like, oh, this fucking guy. Oh you know. And and I would go, wow, okay, yeah, I guess that's kinda hacky. And there was this feeling that if you do an impression, that you could really just get laughs with no material. Yeah. And so I avoided doing impressions for a long time until Ron Reed heard me having conversations with people and said, well, when did you learn how to do these voices? I like, go, oh, I've always been able to do these voices. And he said, you should do it on stage. I said, ah, it's, it's hacky. I'm not, And he goes, "Yeah, it doesn't have to be hacky. Yeah. If you just do it in a way that's just unique, I mean, you don't have to, Yeah, but just put your own... Touch to it, but make it conversational like you're doing right now. You know, just yeah. just don't make it like uh, I think it would go a little something like this, right? You know, right. And just put your own spin on it. So I started kind of, you know, dipping Inst- in a little bit here and there instead of but,
1: setting it up like that,
0: right? And uh, but man, it was uh, drugs getting be able to have drugs.
1: So what's the longest you had sober?
0: Um, right now, uh, oh, nine sober now. Yeah, nine years. Really?
1: Well, I had a heart attack,
0: so. Jesus. Yeah. I had, well, I had a heart attack, and then I kept doing coke. I had a heart attack, and then well, uh, we
1: should work up to that. It's all right. So you're in Seattle. You hit the wall. You well, go into gay rehab.
0: I go into gay rehab. Then I move in with Mitch in
1: New York. You left Seattle because you didn't want to get sucked back into the blow. No, I left Seattle because
0: I had started. Uh, I was, I was doing stuff on the Howard Stern show. I was, I was on the do, phone. On the phone. I would do. stuff- How'd he find you? I sent them a tape. Um. With a bunch of voices on it, and the one they zeroed in on was Sam Kinnison and they said, "Wow, you know, we knew Sam better than anybody." And uh, man, that that you can't voice, tell,
1: yeah, they can't tell the difference.
0: Yeah, and they said, "Yeah, they actually, they actually had a meeting about it. Um, this is after Sam's dead already. After Sam's dead, they had a meeting about it to try to listen to the tape to hear like how did this guy edit a tape of Sam to make it sound like he's talking about current events?" Yeah, and they they said, "Man, that Sam impression, uh, we you know." We we uh really love the tape and I said, Well, I'd love to work with you guys and they had an idea for me, so I started calling in and every time a huge asshole would die, yeah, I would put together a piece and I'd call in as yeah. Sam Kinnison live from the gates of hell, yeah, welcoming this asshole into the into the afternoon.
1: Oh, like who? Like who'd you do?
0: Um, I remember Jeffrey Dahmer uh-huh. when he died. Yeah. And uh and then there were some weird ones like I remember when uh Princess Diana died, I said, um, you know this is really sad, but um, you know I but she had you know but thanks to Princess Diana dying, I have the most kick-ass limo driver. This guy, <laughs> this guy gets me to my gigs on time. He fucking speeds. You know, uh, he's uh he's actually gonna be the lead driver in the Thanksgiving Day parade in How. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was uh, it was so out there. And yeah. um, I started writing for the Stern Show, and uh, so I, from and, Seattle, from Seattle. So once I started writing for the show. I called Mitch and said, hey, do you mind if I move in with you?
1: And you, you knew him a little bit, or you'd open for him, or what? Uh,
0: th- that's the embarrassing thing, is I didn't know him that well at the time. Yeah. And Mitch was such uh, a agreeable guy. Such what a, year was that? 1998 is when I moved in with so him.
1: So it was before he really broke big, right before.
0: While I was living with him, yeah, he went on the road, and um, I googled his name one day, and there's all these articles. Mitch Hedberg signs a half-million-dollar deal with Fox. And I'm, li- I'm in his apartment going, what? Half-million-dollar? Yeah. So we make plans to go to a concert when he gets home. I said, hey, do you want to go see Rob Zombie? Uh, he's going to be here the day that you get back. And he's like, yeah, man, uh, that would be a lot of fun. And he ended up getting material that night that um, the opening act was Monster Magnet. And yeah. he used to do a joke about Monster Magnet on stage. So we meet up at this bar across the street from the Letterman Show. The, the concert we're going to go see is at the Roseland Ballroom next to the Letterman Show. And I go, uh, uh, so how, how's it going, man? What's new? And he goes, oh, man, you know, same old, same old, you know? I go, yeah. Hey, I, I read a thing online that you uh, signed a deal with uh, Fox. And he goes, yeah, man, that's true. And I go, <laughs> yeah, I, I also read that you've got... <laughs> they're paying you a half million dollars and he goes and his reaction was yeah man can you believe they 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 actually print that shit and i was like wow so that's true and he really wasn't that excited about the money he's like my only goal and i get it now he said my only goal is i want to make sure i end up on tv yeah i said yeah but financially you don't have to worry about anything anymore you you can just you can be creative yeah not have to worry about working at ralphs
1: he was that way anyways though right yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. He yeah, was, was. was going to work at Ralph, no yeah. matter what. All right, so you're doing, you're writing for the Stern Show. What does that mean when you say you're writing for? You, you were doing other stuff besides your bits.
0: What happened was uh, Jackie Martling and Fred Norris would write my stuff. Yeah, and uh, and Jackie's style, especially with Sam Kinnison, Jackie would write jokes for Sam Kinnison that didn't sound like Sam jokes. Right. They sounded more like Jackie jokes. Right. And I said, hey, I do you guys mind if I write? I feel like I have a better idea of what Sam would actually say. Yeah. And so I started writing stuff, and they said, oh, this is great. You should start writing for the show. So um, I thought, well, I should, probably, I should probably move to New York if I'm writing for the show. So I asked Mitch, is it okay if I stay at your place until I find a place? Yes. So I move in with him, and uh, I start writing for Howard. Um, I started writing for uh, Colin Quinn was doing Weekend Update. Yeah. Um, I started contributing material to Weekend Update. And started hitting all the clubs in New York. When I started seeing you, yeah. and I started, uh, you know, Tom Rhodes, yeah. and I started seeing all these great comics. It was it was really intimidating, and it was a real trip um, to be around so many great comics. And you know what? I had a really bad idea every time I would actually get a spot yeah. on Tuesday night at twelve or one o'clock in the morning. Yeah. I was so thrilled to be working at a club in New York, even if it was uh, not getting paid or getting ten bucks, right? That I wanted to show up at eight o'clock at night and watch the whole night of comedy because I get to perform tonight. Sure. And that was horrifying because there's so many great comics in New York that I ended up just being really sad.
1: Wait, so is that's ninety eight?
0: Ninety eight, yeah. So it was uh, Bill Burr, Patrice O'Neill, yeah, Itel. Uh Atell. Uh, you doing Attell? Um, I. I did a little bit, I, I did it on a cartoon uh-huh. once and I can't remember how it went. It was like a, ha, <laughs> ha,
1: Yeah, that's really fun. Yeah. You know? I do one, a one word to tell, uh, a tell impression. <laughs> what? <laughs> Those are my favorites. <laughs> but, so I move in with Mitch and drug addictions back on. So you were, but you'd already started drinking. How long did you stay sober that first round? A few months. Yeah, yeah.
0: I think I made it to a uh, hundred days, which was such yeah. a big deal to me. Like, wow, I'm sober for a hundred days. And, uh, and then I remember when I moved in with Mitch, we uh, Mitch took me to a bunch of comedy clubs at yeah. night, and uh, and he was, it uh, was so awesome. Like he was trying to introduce me to people. Yeah. One guy that was kind of an asshole was uh, Lucian. Yeah. Uh, I had this funny at moment the comic at the comic strip. Yeah.
1: He goes, uh, "I've already got an impression." It was, it was, he
0: didn't even get that far. Yeah. Uh, uh, Mitch, really just being polite, said, uh, "Oh hey Lucian, hey this is my friend Craig Gas. He just moved here from Seattle." And Lucian looked at me and said, "Mitch, you know how we do things here." And he said, "No, I'm just saying this is my friend. Maybe you should shake his hand." And I was like, "Holy shit!" I just felt—I <laughs> didn't know who Lucian was. Yeah, I didn't know what his relationship to the club was. I just yeah. felt really uncomfortable. And Mitch was doing me a solid, you and know.
1: That's that's funny though. It's just no, it's just respect. Yeah,
0: I'm just trying to be fucking polite here. And uh, and that night. At the comic strip, Mitch said, hey, man, I'm going to get some drinks. You want something? And I said, uh, yeah. And I looked around. I hadn't drank in a few months. And I said, uh, can I have a Jack and Coke, please? And he goes, yeah, man. And then I kind of, I was looking around the room like, is someone going to catch me? Is someone going to stop me from drinking? Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. Mitch walked up to the bar, ordered it, put it in my hand. And I'm still kind of looking around, took my first sip. No, no whistles went off. Nobody yelled at me. And then I was back on, you know, yeah. for another, what was it? 10 years yeah
1: so now though you're going now are you going into the studio with Howard when did that start
0: um, first it started with calling in then I started writing for the show and yeah. I didn't come in until the day that Jackie had quit I got a phone call uh, I got a bunch of phone calls actually uh, there was three or four voicemails on my uh, on my answer machine there's a couple messages on my answer machine yeah I pushed play and the first message was dude Howard Stern, Jackie Martin just quit the show. They're looking for new comedians. You should call them. Boop. Right. Hey, man, dude, Howard Stern just announced they're looking for comedians. Boop. Hey, Craig, it's Gary Delabate. Give me a call as <laughs> soon as you get this, okay? fuck fucking fine. I call him up, and I say, hey, Gary, uh, I got your message, man. And he goes, hey, Craig, how you been? The first time Gary's ever asked me how I've been. Yeah. And I said, I've been great, man. I I, I heard that Jackie quit the show. Yes, he did. And I go, uh, is that is that what this call's about? And he goes, yes, it is. And I was like, Holy shit! All right, so what do you want me to do? And he said, uh, "We just want you to come in, just kind of see if there's some chemistry, and we'll kind of take it from there, man." So
1: you'd never been in the studio. Up I'd never point. been
0: in the studio. I've been working for the show, getting paid by the show for eight years. Wow! At that point, and I'd never been in the studio. Were they
1: serious yet? When did that start? This I is at K Rock, right? K Rock. So and right. then I
0: went in and sat next to Howard. Yeah. And were you uh, freaking out? I, you know what? It was kind of like doing it. it my goal was the same as doing every radio show. Where it was like, I just want the three people in the room to just laugh. That's all I want. Yeah. And um, if you make everyone in the room laugh, then everybody listening will be laughing. Yeah, yeah. But but my only goal is to make these three people laugh. And I had so much fun. I really only thought it was going to last two days. Maybe that's why I didn't feel any pressure for it. I was like, ah, two days. Finally, I get to come in and it'll be fun. Yeah. And that turned into two days a week every week for the next uh, seven, eight months. Uh Uh-huh. And uh it turned out is Artie there yet? Artie started coming in and they would they would have by the end of it, I was in every Monday and Tuesday. Artie was in every Thursday and Friday, and Wednesdays they would rotate somebody out on Wednesdays. And uh-huh. everybody Chappelle, um uh Doug would come in, uh um Attel. Stanhope. Uh Stanhope would come yeah. in, um, uh Richard Jenny, Kimmel, and
1: um it was mostly known comics. Yeah, I though. never went in there. I just did it for the first time last year. I heard it, and it was great. In? Were you nervous? I, well, I just, I, I, my only nervousness is what's he got on me? And you know what, <laughs> w- what he had was something I could certainly handle. Like I didn't know what I think he was going to pull up, or I don't out remember
0: him. what it was. What was the thing that? he And I was an
1: asshole. Oh, and I was hmm. a jealous asshole. That was what he sort of focused on. But we ended up getting into a pretty serious conversation about you know family and fathers and narcissism and this and that. I mean it was good. I mean you know it, you know no one chimed in for an hour.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely something where you have that kind of feeling going in like like you prepare like you're going to the the principal's office. Like, I just want to be prepared for this subject to come up. I just up. didn't
1: know if it would be a conversation or whether he was going to hammer me. And, he, you know, it it was a I don't know why I overthought it because I was I I'm not a huge stern listener. So it was just like meeting a guy on radio. Like It wasn't it was only intimidating by name. You know, I didn't have any sort of real idea of what he was going to do because I, I, I didn't grow up with him, you know. Did you get a lot of feedback after you did the show? Yeah, everyone thought it went great. You know, yeah. and I think he I think we had a, a pretty decent conversation. I was happy that he wasn't wearing his sunglasses. Yeah. You know, and, and that it, it was very relaxed. it wasn't uh you know, I enjoy talking to him. Yeah, he's
0: um uh the feedback I get every time I do a show is is uh, I mean there's an audience out there listening that you don't realize how huge that audience is. And he gave me my career. I mean, every T V role I've ever gotten, almost every T V role mm-hmm. has been from people who are fans of his show that are writers for TV shows. Right. they say, hey, I got an idea for you, got an idea for you. And I still get residual stuff from that because people who know the stuff that I did with Hell. You
1: don't have a relationship with him anymore?
0: I mean, we still, like, we email each other from time to time. I send him ideas for stuff. What
1: happened? Um, I just, I never tried. I never... Why? Well, why'd you stop? Why'd he stop having you on the show?
0: Well, when they made the decision, they said, we're going to have Artie do the show. Artie's going to be the guy. Artie's going to be That's the guy. That's after eight months. This is after eight months. Yeah. Eight or nine months of, of being on the show. Um, Were you friends with Artie? Yeah. Artie and I always got along, and it was actually weird to be in something of a competition with somebody who you liked. Right. You know?
1: And what's going on with you and Mitch? Mitch is on the road all the time at this point, right? So I imagine as a roommate, he was mostly gone, right?
0: Well, I was only with him for a few months. That was oh, okay. like when I first moved in, and then the stories about Mitch started getting especially right at that time when he got all the money, he moved into the Chelsea hotel. Right. And that's when the story started getting weird. And I'd go, Mitch. And they'd go, yeah, I heard Mitch is strong you know? out. I'd be like, no, I, yeah. cause I'd only drank with Mitch and right. occasionally done Coke with Mitch. Right. I'd never heard or yeah, seen he, her. I
1: think he hid that shit. Yeah. yeah. Cause I, I hung out and done Coke with him, but, but I didn't, you know, I, I didn't, eh, I didn't know how deep he was. That's all it is.
0: Yeah. And I hadn't, uh yeah occasionally it's funny as a drug addict yeah. to call another drug addict and go uh hey man you doing okay over there yeah
1: yeah yeah and he'd go what are you up to
0: yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah man I, i'm doing all right man
1: how you been yeah uh, i'm doing are
0: you sure you're okay Is yeah it,
1: like yeah because that's our line i mean we're if you're if you're not crossing the heroin line yeah then everything's cool yeah you're still doing coke you're drinking yeah. anything else going on <laughs> Been up for three days. All right, that's cool. But right. what, anything else? You're you're
0: just snorting Coke, yeah, right? right just yeah, uh, for yeah, a few days yeah, and, yeah. and having some
1: heart problems, yeah, but no heroin. No right? heroin. Because we, you know, we got we got rules here. Yeah, I don't yeah. want
0: you to be an addict. <laughs> you know? yeah. 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 And uh so yeah, so uh when Artie got the job, they said, Hey, um uh the door is open. Right. You can come in anytime you want. But I was so exhausted at that point that I just kind of Were you doing Coke at that point again? Yeah, I was doing Coke. I did Coke all night. And, and slept through the show.
1: I actually slept through the show in the studio.
0: In the studio, they let you sleep. No, they they made fun of me. Like, right, that's what I mean. I was I was in uh, I was in Philly over the weekend doing a show at the Comedy Cabaret. Somebody showed up with a bunch of coke, and I just kept going through Saturday and Sunday, Ugh. and then showed up on Monday morning, uh, having not slept. And I thought, oh man, you know what? We we get these long breaks, like yeah. these 15, 20 minute commercial take, breaks. Well, I'll I? just take a little, you know. yeah. And then I woke up. With the whole country listening to me snoring on the show, yeah, <laughs> that ended up happening again later with Artie, and they made material out of it with yeah. Artie. But Howard was pissed, yeah, and that it felt like a nail in my he's coffin. Not, he's not a
1: drug guy. He's
0: not a drug guy. Well, the
1: weird thing people don't understand if they you know, they I don't think people understand what it means to when you're up for three days on fucking blow. I think a lot, <laughs> lot of people are like, "What are you doing?" It's like that's a really good question. We're <laughs> we're just talking to some idiot. Usually yeah. you're just talking to an idiot. Well, you're wired wrong. Like when I had my heart attack,
0: I ended up uh in the hospital for a week. Um What the fuck happened, man? Uh, I was up for several days and I just stopped breathing. And um oh I I God. went in. You
1: like you were sitting there and you're like, I'm not breathing.
0: Um I, I, there was a buddy of mine. I was at his at his place and I, I knocked on his door. It's like eight o'clock in the morning. They said, Hey man, uh I got a problem I think. Uh like I'm not breathing and and he said, you know, let's go to the hospital. And went to the hospital and then they did all these tests. Were you jacked? Yeah, I was yeah. It, it, oh man. Yeah, I was in bad shape and what uh,
1: what? what do you mean what happened?
0: I, I'm just thinking about how I would feel these heart palpitations and I'd be like, holy shit, what is that? I better do another line. Yeah. And I just kept doing lines. Yeah. And uh like, that, a, like a
1: like like a flutter, I get those occasionally now. Yeah,
0: but then my chest is getting tighter. Yeah, and that's something I've never experienced before, and I'm having trouble breathing. And I go to the hospital, and they run all these tests, and they and then I hear them yelling for a cardiologist. We need a cardiologist ASAP. Uh, and I go, well, what's going on? They said your enzyme levels are supposed to be this; they're you know twenty times that. And I said, okay, well, what does that mean? And they said, you're having a heart attack. And then um, I started crying because I, I, I don't know, like what. I never heard the
1: word. Yeah. Like, T- spoken uh, to what you. does that
0: mean? Am I dying? Am I dying right now? And, uh, you know, my buddy that's with me, I'm holding his hand and yeah. crying. Yeah. You know, and uh, uh, they keep me in the hospital for a week. And my trips used to end uh, in cities around the country working at whatever yeah. comedy club. My trips used to end uh, on a Sunday morning. I would slowly get all my stuff together. But
1: you you'd been awake. You're like, yeah, yeah I've it's been awake. the worst feeling in the world. And uh, like people just left, and you're like, I, I got to get ready to go. I still got to. Yeah. yeah and there's get like three people you don't know. Yep. And, all right, man. We'll see you, man. Yep. You're right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I and there was this process where I put pull all my stuff together in yeah. my hotel room. Yeah. Then I had to get a, a hand towel, and wet the hand towel, and I'd had to clean all the surfaces of my right. hotel room. And then I had to take my money out and unroll, uh, wash all the blood off my money, yeah, uh, and unroll, and and uh, and then blow dry my money so that they could fold normally instead of rolling up. Uh-huh. And then uh, what
1: were we so paranoid about?
0: Um, I w- I was always paranoid that the the coke that was left on all the surfaces would be seen by the maids, and the maids would contact the police.
1: And, oh, okay, you know, so it was the cops.
0: Yeah, it was it was the cops and. And, or maybe at the airport, they'd see rolled up money and, and give me a search. Sure. And um, so now uh, my trip ends in a hospital where I'm giving my clothes back, and I have to give them the hospital gown I've been in.
1: And for a week?
0: Yeah, I was there for a week. And so you're sitting there
1: with your friend holding his hand, You're you're crying because this was really like you've gone too far. I've gone way too far. Like, And you always know that. when You've you know, already been sober. So you knew all along. That you know that you know it wasn't going to end well, but you for some reason I don't know why we think we're going to cheat death, but then when all of a sudden it comes, it must be just horrifying. Like just sort of like you're like a child, like what? I'm, yeah, you know you, you you're got doing,
0: caught. You know you're doing something wrong this whole time. Yeah, and then when you get caught, is when it really hits home. Like I'm sorry. Yeah, and and, and it's getting caught that you suddenly you go I know I'm sorry I'm sorry and uh, so this I get released from the hospital coincidentally and. It was the day that my return trip back to New York was. Yeah. So I actually still have. Where were you? I was in Seattle. I was gonna. I was gonna surprise my friends and show up at a Christmas party in Seattle, and I ended up in the hospital. So um, uh, all my friends who I was going to surprise came to visit me in the hospital. There was a lot of tears. How
1: bad was the heart attack? I mean, did you need surgery or?
0: Um no, but I ended up with uh, pericarditis, which was the. Inflammation of the uh, uh, the sac of the heart. Um, so um, does that go
1: away, or is that with you?
0: It uh, it the discomfort went away, uh, but I damaged my heart, and so um, this um, from blow from blow. Yeah. So after this whole week of uh, realizing that I'm wrong and knowing, like, all right, this is it. Uh, I, I got five hours to kill and I go out to spend time with friends. There's still more crying and we want to see you live. I want to live. And I get in my car. Uh, the sun's going down. I got a red eye back to New York and I thought, um, well, what am I going to do now? I got a couple hours here. I'm, you know what? I'll go downtown. You know what? I'll go back to the calm underground and uh, have a beer. I mean, this has been a rough week. And I said, oh, you know you know, what would be great? You know it would be really great right now after the week that I've had? If I could have... A little bit of blow. Like, not enough to kill me or have another heart attack, but oh just like God. just like a couple beers and like a bump. Yeah. Ah, oh, that would... and then, And for the first time in my life, a voice came on in my head that said, there's something really, really wrong with you. <laughs> and I was scared straight for a year and two weeks until I got in a relationship with this awful, awful girl who was begging me to do coke with her. She was like hot...
1: Now, were, were you doing the thing for a year? I mean,
0: were you? Yeah, like, I. N- well, no, I wasn't. Uh, it's I was Turkey.
1: You were just. scared. Yeah, you were just like you heard straight. the voice, and that yeah. was that.
0: Scared straight, and no little, drinking or nothing. No drinking, nothing. No, I and uh, and and for the first time in my life, I realized I got to stop everything. Right, because everything leads back to this.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah.
0: And um, so I was scared straight, and then I ended up with this girl that uh, who was just uh, someone who I just. Uh, thought was so beautiful and so hot and she was begging me to do coke with her knowing mm. that I had the heart attack and we got in a big fight one night and I was like fuck it and I started doing coke again for 11 and a half months and um, until the two year anniversary of my heart attack and the greatest thing that's ever happened to me <laughs> yeah. um, I'm at a metal school perform- performance the band became uh, Steel Panther uh-huh. I'm at a Steel Panther show at the Roxy and it's now December 14th, the anniversary of my heart attack. Yeah. And I'm not fucked up, I'm not really partying too hard that night. I'm not doing any coke. I just have a beer in my hand and I hit the lottery. I just a light switch came on and I said, "I'm killing myself." And I threw the beer out and I
1: was like, "That's it." And that was it. And I, it's like. Um, this it is the second time the voice talked to you. Yeah. And. Yeah. and, uh, the, first and it, time, the first time it was like, are you out of your mind? Yeah.
0: And the <laughs> thing that's cool is that when you think you're going to be alone because it's like, ah, oh, I'm so flawed. I'm yeah. so uh, outside of society. I'm not a normal person. Yeah. The thing that's cool is to go down that road and admit it and just say, I'm I'm gonna fucking die if I keep treating myself like this. Yeah, and to find out that you that there's tons of comics, there's tons of people in the business that you work in, in all aspects of this business, who are there too, and it's and it opened my eyes up. I didn't realize how many people were not partying like I was. I thought everyone was partying like I was. Yeah, we
1: did. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it, it's like if you survive that. Uh, You know, the only hope you have uh, in a lot of ways is 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 getting clean because you, you're just not going to you're not going to make it. And after a certain age, you know, the regular people don't want to hang out with you. That's always the <laughs> you, you know That's what I mean? True. You're only going to hang out with these fucking idiots if you've decided everybody is like. I remember one time I was I was with the at the comedy store in the late 80s where some chick came to visit me. Uh, you know, for the weekend, a girl I went to college with, and we were doing fucking two, three nighters, just like drinking and holing up in a house and fucking playing guitar and doing blow and stuff. And she's hanging out there watching all this. And at some point, I turned to her. It's like, you know, no one lives like this, man. This is it, man. <laughs> this is it. And then she wrote me a letter like weeks later, saying like, no one would want to. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I mean, I know, and I couldn't even understand it. You know, I couldn't I couldn't understand it. Like, what are you talking about? Uh-oh. We're the winners.
0: But you, yeah, that... you said something once. I don't remember where it was yeah. or what whose show it was on. But you said something once that really scared me. Yeah, you said um, uh, I always believed in my head that when the drugs got to a point where I was becoming psychotic, that I would stop. Yeah, but it never dawned on you that you would never know that you never. were psychotic. <laughs> yeah, right. And that was like I had never even thought of that yeah. thought. Right. Until you said, and I thought, holy shit, that because there are people who along the way. Oh, yeah. That I've known that have no idea what we're all thinking about them. Well,
1: that's the weird thing. is like you can't fix a bad brain with the brain. <laughs> that, yeah. You know, like in that that like hearing it framed that way, uh, that only happened to me recently. It's like, you know, it's like, I got this. No, you don't. <laughs> how, is, how is the same thing that you're fucked up with going to get it? Yeah. It's a very tricky thing with that, with that, with the denial business and the delusion that comes from that. You know, like, come on, everyone's like this. Yeah, yeah
0: it you know. was. It was. Um, it it bummed me out because the first year uh, after I had that epiphany, like, all right, I'm dying. Yeah, and I need to stop. Yeah, um, and I really need to stop. Tell me what I need. To, I don't give a fuck. anybody. I'm I'm open to suggestions. Tell me how to stop. Seven of my friends, all comedians. Yeah, died that first year. Yeah.
1: What, that like nine played, years
0: ago, nine years ago. Yep, Mitch was uh, the first one to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and then who? And then uh, there was a guy uh, who uh, Kelly Moran oh. uh, died that year, but not from drugs. Um, I was. That, that was my understanding. Was that oh, the uh, piano prescription? Player? Yeah, oh, prescription. Really? Oh pills.
1: yeah, kind of, I remember. Vaguely remember that. Yeah, who else?
0: Um, a friend of mine that I went to high school. A really tragic story a guy that I went to high school with whose name was Brian Corrigan. He had become an open mm. Um, When we were in high school, Brian Corrigan was drunk and uh, took his parents car out for a joyride flipped it and paralyzed himself and his best friend so you would see these two together that you always saw together hanging out now they're both hanging out together all the time in wheelchairs and then 20 years later
1: i heard about this he he, killed himself
0: he well he's doing stand-up comedy now in tucson he's working at laughs and he loves doing stand-up and uh, um, they're all partying at last one night, like, yeah. "Hey, let's let's take it to the bartender's house." Yeah. So they all jump in the cars. Uh, Brian has uh, one of those cars that you can operate with your hand, yeah, yeah. and uh, he's driving through an intersection at 35 miles an hour, going through a green light, and a guy who had just robbed a Seven Eleven that was also drunk uh, was going through the red light at 70 miles an no, hour and hit right, him and, and t right. boned him. So, oh, God. Um, so, did you
1: write about that online or something, or did you? Yeah, I
0: I uh, I always well, I, I've written about that, and I've al- I've also uh, once a year that'll be the only personal thing that I'll write is when I get another year. I
1: remember, yeah,
0: I'll say, hey, uh, you know, I, I'll just say if 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 you need help, this is only going to resonate with you if you need help. If you need help, I did it. Uh, you have to love yourself, and and then you can be free, and and that's the only personal thing I'll put on. And I, it's very. Tough for me to click post on that because that's so personal, yeah. And the feedback that I'll get from that is the most intense of anything I'll I'll put uh, all year long.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I, I I you know I hear it a lot myself. It's just that you know people need to hear it. I, I don't know what the hell it is.
0: So you don't want to say it? You you you're no, no, I do say it. Sure. Okay. I,
1: I mean, I, you know like there there there's help on the way. There's help available. There's help always there. You know, if you're willing to to reach out and ask for it, you know, and it's it just. I think that everybody, especially people who are involved in that, you're know, very stubborn, and you know there's there's some part of them that wants to protect their ability to do it. Yeah, you know, you're well. That's you're...
0: what keeps us going in that in that circle is that, uh, is that there's this, you know, man, fuck, something's wrong. I need help, and so you start dipping into getting help, and then you look around, you go, ah, yeah, I'll figure it out. I, yeah, it's yeah. okay. I don't I want got, to be got... one of you people. Yeah, I don't want to be one of. And that's from the very beginning. It was like, man, these people are yeah. fucked up. Yeah. And then a couple of years later, I come back. All right, all right, maybe I need to listen a little more, and I go, <laughs> all right. <laughs> alright, you know what? That guy? He's alright. I, I get him and <laughs> that guy's alright, but the rest of these people are yeah, but yeah. I'm out of here. Yeah, I'll hang out with that guy. And then girls. come back and I find myself relating more and more to people until I had to just swallow my pride so much I had to go, all right. You know, just just and there's nothing better than arriving at a moment where you go. Just tell me what I need to do. I don't give a fuck what you, I'm listening to you. I just don't want to live like this. Yeah. And uh, I, man, I can't tell you how much of a joy it is to be able to travel around the country. And uh I remember you had a a thing that you did once on uh, on Conan. Yeah. I think I've seen you do this a couple of times about how the demons used to be. Oh yeah. Ah, yeah, coke, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, ice cream. And, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, how about some ice cream, some <laughs> yeah. porn. And, and it's funny how I ended up on that path like, you sure. know, like wow, you know, and and um I still have intensity about like, you know, things that I've always loved like chocolate milk. Sure. You know? Yeah. And then I'll find myself now I'll check out of a hotel. And I'll look down the hall and I'll see the, the maids in the next room. Yeah. She's coming to my room next. Yeah. And I'll look back in my room and I'll go, uh, should I clean this up? Because there's like 10, 12... Empty uh chocolate milk cartons in my room. And it looks like I had a, a party for a bunch of eight-year-olds in my room. And I'm like, oh, this looks weird. This looks really weird. And then I'll, I'll be kind of embarrassed. And but it's it's so much better than being than crying and being completely demoralized on a plane, thinking like, what the hell is wrong with me? You know. Well, and,
1: congratulations on the chocolate milk thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, I still have a lot of love yeah. for for these little things in life, yeah. and uh, I'm glad you had me on and. Uh, Uh, I I just I was just looking forward to just connecting with you so thank you
1: I think we did all right. thank you for having me on Mark it was great talking to you that's it that is the show I love that guy Kennison. I mean like having known Sam it gave me flashbacks but uh, I hope you enjoyed that thank you for listening I I love you go to WTFpod.com for all your WTFpod stuff get the free app upgrade you can stream all of them all of them. I just said that, like in New Yorker. Um, what else? Leave comments. Do whatever you want, man. Check the calendar. Check the schedule. I'm uh, at Mark Marin on Twitter with a C. Well, I've never said that before. Does that matter? Oh god! Oh god! Oh okay. god! Okay. Boomer lives. <laughs>